Hello and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have another very interesting show. In that, I have invited back a dear friend and colleague of mine who is on A Better World TV, oh my, some 20 or so years ago, give or take a few, uh, and that is cellist Michael Fitzpatrick. Michael is known internationally for his exquisite musical brilliance. The New York Times calls his music as possessing a sense of humor, virtuosity, and an ear for musical dialogue. That is just one of the many, many uh, accolades that Michael has received over the course of, well, honestly, decades. So uh, it's really a pleasure to have Michael joining me today. He'll be with us in a moment. Among his other main, major accomplishments has been playing for the Dalai Lama, and not just playing for, but actually coordinating an entire project that took place in caves wherein he and a group of Tibetan Buddhist monks joined together in music in the caves in an honorarium to the Dalai Lama's relationship and deep friendship with Thomas Merton. And what emerged out of that was a very beautiful CD set called, as appropriately you would think, Compassion. So it is with this kind of flair that Michael Fitzpatrick goes around the world making utterly gorgeous, touching music, and thankfully he is recognized and hailed wherever he goes. And now he has just shown up at a better world. I have. Michael, welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Mitchell. So good to hear your voice. A pleasure. Transiting the wilds of the Catskills. Yes, indeed. You're transiting there, and you are still creating a better world with every mile you travel. <laughs> so uh, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Yeah. It's really a pleasure. Your your uh, accolades and your resume uh, would take up the better part of our time together. So I've hit upon a few of the well, um, high points, high notes, I guess I should really say. And um, uh, I'd love to ask you about uh, your phrase, which I so love, called tuning the planet. I mean, as a cellist, you you hit many notes and you uh, play with many people and you have this wonderful global universal purview that what you do is resonating throughout the stratosphere and the atmosphere and the biosphere and the noosphere and every kind of sphere we know. So could you just speak a little bit about what you mean when you refer, Michael, to this notion of tuning the planet? Oh, the call dropped because he is traversing the Catskill Mountains and uh, he will be back on in a moment. Well, in the meantime, I guess I could talk about some more of his accolades. Well, we'll reserve those for the next, for the next time the call uh, may drop. 
So here we are. My apologies. Thank you. Just uh, that we should have clear path going forward. Okay, fine. Very good. So did you hear the question? I I did not. What is the question? (laughs) What's the question? (laughs) Uh, You know, what's it all about, Alfie? Well, that's the question. question. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it really the question? Peter, Paul, and Mary that said it best, peace, love, and understanding. There you go. I think you're right. Yeah. I love them. That's pretty I much love it. Them from when I first saw them, it's true. Indeed. I was actually asking you, Michael, about yeah. uh, the phrase that you use uh, called yeah. "tuning the planet." I was saying that uh-huh. you know that you are affecting as a musician, as a cellist, uh, you are emanating sounds in resonance with the harmonies of our mm-hmm. beautiful planet and mm-hmm. on the macro level even the universe and you are penetrating the stratosphere I said the biosphere the noosphere every mm-hmm. single sphere you can and I'd love to know what you have to say about uh, what you feel you are influencing and shaping when you speak about making music and tuning the planet? Sure. Well, it's a great question. I'm glad you mentioned the newosphere. Um, when the phrase tuning the planet came to me like a lightning bolt in 1994, it, I, I, I think I'd been having an image of places like Stonehenge or the Great Pyramids, uh, the great recording by Paul Horn inside the Great Pyramid, uh, places where... Yes. Uh, sound had clearly been utilized as a primary function as it related to activating those stones. Right. That was that was clear to me. Uh, I see. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool if, like, uh, my band of renegade musicians, we could go around tuning the planet, <laughs> specifically, like yes. tuning into this place, and then. Yes sending sound into those spots, also receiving whatever energy or feelings or impressions we could pick up from the the sacred sites, and then, uh, in essence, uh, get into a a resonance relationship with the the earth. Um, Okay, so that that was sort of Genesis conception. And then... (laughs) when through a very extraordinary series of synchronicities that were, they were just impossible, led me to uh, (laughs) connect with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, uh, which we'll talk about. And then it was from Mm -hmm. that time, the shared experience, the invitation came to do this compassion recording. And because of the location of where I was at the time, I suggested that we do it inside the largest cave in the world. And I thought, hey, mm-hmm. let's test this tuning the planet theory. Let's see what, see what would happen if we went into the womb of the earth, right? And let's yeah. front load it with Tibetan monks chanting and Trappist monks chanting, Gregorian chant. And uh, the concept model for the whole thing was Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Let, let's, let's see what happens to us inside of the earth. Let's see what happens to the earth as we can sense it, feel it, hear it, and then let's see if we can basically 
capture that, bottle that, and bring it back to the surface and give it away, share it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and wow. just speaking of the it. for just a split second, right, the, the thought was, well, if the morphogenetic field is the morphogenetic field, if it works, as Teilhard de Chardin yes. and then Sheldrake um, sure. conceptualized, sure. then it's mm-hmm. all um, it's a theoretic vibrational response. So if we sounded notes of purity from our heart, those would penetrate the Earth's nervous system and uh, ideally, potentially, the morphogenetic field of Gaia would shift. The resonance pattern would shift. Yes. Yeah, that was I, I love it. Okay. That was the whole idea. You know, as you were speaking, right. Michael, I'm sorry, please go ahead. No, no, I was just uh, uh, agreeing. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you know, yeah. I was thinking, um, and even though I've been familiar with this phrase from you for many, many years, because we have mm-hmm. known each other for many, many years, mm-hmm. and uh, in fact, we did our first interview just sometime there after the cave uh, recording of the album yeah. uh, Compassion that I was making reference to when you were uh, driving through the Catskills there a few minutes ago, I uh, <laughs> thought this. You know, when you tune an instrument, you bring it into resonance with itself and, of course, with our ear. And... To tune an instrument is to uh, allow it to make its most beautiful sound. So by extension, by tuning the planet, even having that idea and the intention behind what packs in that you know, morphogenetic or quantum field is already beginning to have an impact on the way the entire planetary field operates. Right? And I thought, wow, you know, your instrument is actually the planet. It looks like a cello, mm. but it's more than that. Uh, uh, well, kind of interesting. Old, there's like, I don't know, it was like 1490s or something when some of the cosmologists did those fabulous, um, uh, they must have been line drawings of the universe as a, it looked like a, um, like a loop or something. And it shows yes. uh, different heavenly bodies, that kind of thing. Right. So all yes. of that was right. Yes, I do. Yeah. And that, that alliteration to the music of the spheres or Invisnet or all of these things that it's like, I, what does that mean? How does that yes. work? And yes. all politics are local. Where, where better yes, to find right. out the song of the earth than inside of the earth or inside yes. oneself? Yeah. Yes. Right, right. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I mean, it's sure. very. I mean, but what this speaks of, of course, is you know, honestly, your uh, elevated soul that recognizes the role of music, and of course, we have the phrase of the, um, you know, celestial music and the music of the spheres, and you know, you have matched that level of musical um, expression, if you will, where you're recognizing the, the, you could say, the intrinsic musicality of, of, 
Oh, this sounds so grand, but it's true. The well, inherent musicality of life itself. I was thinking of Hazrat Inayat Khan's book titled The Music of Life. Ah. Yeah. Yes. And, and because we are, I mean, Einstein said it, I'm no physicist, but he said it's all vibration, right? And, and yes. we know that. And that's why, you know, he's yes. talking about good vibes. And, and it was also clear, uh, observing what the world scenario was like in um, the late 90s, if we can think back that, to that uh-huh. time pocket, uh-huh. um, it yes. was clear that, yes. that the vibes on the planet were, they were just kind of weird, right? And nobody yes. ha- really yes. was clear on, like, what are we doing? And what, what's, what's the soundtrack? And that, that's the, mm-hmm. I was wondering what that REM, when he kept saying, what's the frequency, Kenneth? Um, like, yes. what's the soundtrack? Where is the soundtrack? We had the soundtrack in the 60s. Where is the soundtrack? And yes. the, the, the answer that kept coming back is, it's in the earth. Right? Mm, um, yeah. Right? Right. And then yeah. the elements uh, musically that we were working with were indigenous to the friendship between the late Thomas Merton and His Holiness the Dalai Lama. So it was Tibetan chant and Gregorian chant. Yes. Ancient, ancient, yes. ancient chant sounds that are quite exotic and esoteric and trippy. And uh, my musician friends and I thought, well, what if we could trip it out some more? Right? Mm-hmm. And then what if we could weave in the spoken word and, and have it be really a shamanic journey not only into the earth but also for the listener into one's own self into one's own chakra system um we didn't talk about that overtly you don't you don't see any of that in the liner notes but that was the point you know tuning Mm -hmm. the self i suppose Mm -hmm. or maybe Mm -hmm. we are the we are the earth we are the planet and what we do to the earth we do to ourselves and i think that's bearing out yes tell us a little bit about about what happened in the cave and a little bit mm-hmm. about uh, that as an expression of that friendship uh, between His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Thomas Merton. Sure. Well, Merton in 1968 went to Asia to do a three-week pilgrimage to essentially meet his uh, Buddhist uh, and brothers and sisters from, from the, the opposite tradition. And he hadn't mm-hmm. been out of the Trappist Monastery in 30-some-odd years. So it was a big deal. And he was, yes. back then, almost, not quite, but almost as famous as the Dalai Lama is today. Uh-huh. And certainly his, his yes. influence reached to the presidential global level. Dr. King, the Kennedys, he, the Berrigans, he, you know, he was the guy. And yes. so what was supposed to be sort of a formal brief meeting uh, when the, the two spiritual leaders met, they, uh, I believe, immediately recognized each other's uh, inner light and, and soul mm-hmm. yeah. and said, hey, how about if we, uh, how about if we uh, have, how about if we have three meetings over five days, not just this 30 minutes. <laughs> uh-huh. And, um, and during that time, they, they just bonded, and they realized, wow, we're really saying the same things from, from different vantage points, 
what if we were to join forces right, and help mm-hmm. bring the world together? And that was the plan. And then as fate would have it, a few weeks later in, in Bangkok, Merton was accidentally electrocuted. And, um, yes. uh, you know, that was, that was it. It was just um, it was, it was, um, a tragedy that, that shook the Dalai Lama to his core. So then he, uh, many years later, 30-some-odd years later, made a return pilgrimage to Burton's home, the Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky, to uh, yes. gather the world's leaders, uh, monks and nuns from East and West, for a historic six-day summit dialogue in which I got invited to provide the sacred music. And yeah, have any experience with the Dalai Lama. I just I knew that he was out in the world doing good things. And so when I got there, uh, taking it very seriously, um, the energy in the place, the energy of the of the 50 uh, people gathered of, of the Dalai Lama, it was, well, there are no words for it. You, you just, <laughs> it was the most real, real I've ever felt in my life. And for six days, mm. I, uh, you know, sat quite close to him and the others in a, in a very small room. And um, we kind of went into, um, I, I believe it was really, well, it was a historic turning point of, of East-West consciousness merged, like some a new consciousness formed, and and the consensus was it was a consciousness of compassion. It was a compassionate, embodied consciousness. You could feel it, you could see it, and you could hear it. Uh, and it was from that that uh, I was invited to to do the recording. And so that's what we went we went we went into the cave with the intention that we could make that emergent consciousness uh, sonically available and, and also, uh, I'm saying, kinesthetically available to anyone that would listen to the CD. And, and we didn't know if it was possible, right? Um, but I was certain that it was possible because I, I felt it and I heard it uh, in the yes. Dalai Lama prior. So cutting to the chase. So now we're three years of planning. It was originally supposed to be nine months. And then it, just, it was one of those ones, it's like close encounters, or if you remember uh, contact with Jody Foster, you know, the thing blows up the first time and, and you just, you just stay with it because you can't let it go. And then you finally, you finally, you finally at the steps leading down into the largest cave system in the world. And it's 400 miles of cave, right? You're, you're, mm. you're going deep, deep down into it. And our film crew and camera crew was in there waiting. And we processed down 280 steps. We walked a mile and a half deep, being led by Brother Paul Quinnen, who was a novice under Thomas Merton. He was one of the last people that saw him before he he, he traveled. And then uh, the Dalai Lama's representative Tibetan monk and 10 Tibetan monks who were chanting softly. And it was far out, right? I mean, it was futurescape, ancient future trippy and but it's happening in real time i'm telling myself okay you got to focus man because I knew <laughs> once we got to our spot i was going to sit down and i had to sound the invocation of the earth which my friend anthony had asked me before we went down the steps he said well when did you write it and i said well i haven't written it yet <laughs> <laughs> oh, i mean I, I can't write that in advance right yeah 
Uh, he looked at me and show improvisation. <laughs> and it, oh when it, God, yeah. Yeah. So the cameras rolled and uh, this this music erupted out of my cello that was the voice of the cave, voice of the earth, as best I could capture it. It was like you know, yes, fire. Um, and you it's know, so you, beautiful. You a good it's start. so beautiful. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Truly. Truly. Yeah, so that it was high. It was high. Oh, well, that is energy. really—it's uh, such a story. It's such a story, and that people of this level of consciousness, of evolution, of being, would have mm. the ear to hear what you were uh, coming forth with. You know, is mm. just further testament to you know the quality of your own self-attunement, if you will, you know, and I just think we ought to, you know, sit up and, and take notice because it's, it's so important. And I feel that the music that you are producing, you know, uh, in your concerts everywhere, uh, really, it's, it's like a gift of love. It really is. And uh, your intensity, your commitment is, uh, it comes right through the instrument. And um, oh, I love it. I love it. In fact, why don't you Thank tell you. us you have a few things coming up soon yes. in New York City, one, another up in the New Paltz area. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about what you have in mind and a little bit about your nonprofit, if you would. Sure. Because this is sure. another way that you are really impacting our society. Well, I... I would be delighted to, and I just want to say before uh, that I, I want to, because it just came to my mind, the the yeah. influence of um, the influence of Sri Aurobindo and his writings on oh. the supramental vibration and the mm-hmm. uh, and, and occurring in the cells, and yes. that's been a, a, a critical piece of. Uh, information that I, I, I just I reside in to the best of my ability uh, because I was clear the only way the only way the world can change is if we shift internally and what does that mean I don't know I learned about Sri Aurobindo writing about the supramental vibration in the cells if the cells if the dormant light switches in the cells could switch on. Right? Mm-hmm. Then people would be illumined. It's Merton's line of saying, you know, I, uh, "There's no way of telling everyone they're walking around shining like the sun." It's like, <laughs> wow, what what a great yes. what a great line. One of the things that uh-huh. I noticed uh, along the journey of all of this was um, a um, there was a certain kind of a well, it's the old George Harrison inner light. Or they yes. asked Pablo Casals one time. Yeah what it felt like after a performance. And he says, it feels like there is the weight of gold within. And I always felt this golden light when I would really hit, hit that zone threshold. And I was in uh, San Francisco one time, and I ended up in this wild conversation with a quantum physicist named Mark Cummings, who I imagine you'll know from. And he said, do you understand what's happening? I, I said, I, no, I don't. He said, well, from a quantum physics perspective, <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, I just know I'm experiencing, but tell me. And he said, when yeah. two sound molecules collide 
at a 90 degree angle, they turn into light. And then oh my God, pulse back into sound. And so then they simultaneously exhibit properties of light and sound. And he said that he had named that, called that, that new particle a phylon, P-H-I-L-O-N, which he defined as a quanta of love. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's oh, it. Man. That's like, that's it. Right. So that's, oh, that's the goal, right? That's the whole yeah. goal of, of, the, of the soundings is really what they are. I mean, they're yeah. concerts and they're albums, yeah. and, as we still call them, and, but they're soundings, and the purpose is to yeah. get that, that quanta of love activated um, yes. so that it can, um, it can go into our cells and then we can feel that we can feel that love. Okay. Um, so, yep. having said that, yep. I'm, I'm just looking. That's here. I just. I sure mean, I I'm my... just. I'm in a. I'm okay. in a, an altered quantum field right now, listening to you. <laughs> well, and that's right, and that's what happens, and that's once I just with anything, once you start observing a phenomenon, and you see it recurs and recurs. Or sometimes it's elusive, and then it comes back, and until you make a determination, I'm going to, I'm going to capture this. It's like sports. You, you're, you've got a weakness in your in your three-point shot. You make a determination. I'm going to get it so I can hit that shot, like Larry Bird sure. just about every time. Okay. So that was sure. that's what was elusive for me was I had early experiences of the golden sound flowing through the golden cello, uh, but mm-hmm. in my younger days it was too much energy, and I couldn't. I couldn't replicate it like in the worst conditions. Right? Yeah. I thought, well, if it doesn't yeah. work in, in all of the conditions, I don't, I, don't, I don't have command of it, and it, it doesn't work. It's not real. So, I, it, so it was when I connected with the Dalai Lama that for the first time in my, my musical journey, I had experienced a, a human being who was, was the embodiment, clearly, of, of the, the entire quantum energy field. Right? And so it actually then made it very easy to play the golden cello into that quantum field. And, and I'm yes. certain that that was a, a part of the crystallization. And then the cave was then the anchoring, right? That's when we proved that we could make it work in, in, yes. in, in inside. Okay. So that's, so the cut, I have now, hallelujah. I have relocated my base, moved the recording studio back east where my musical journey and study started 30 years ago. I used to take my lessons at the Beacon Hotel, and it was just great, yes. great times. And then I went out to Hollywood <laughs> and L.A. and, you know, found out. Sure. And I found out. <laughs> I found yeah, out. Yeah, you escaped. <laughs> and, I, and then I found out that, that you know, my energy, and I, I believe where the pulse energy of the next music revolution it's going to come from. It's going to come from the same region that it came from the first time. Oddly enough, mm-hmm. you know, which was Woodstock. Woodstock was the catalyst. Uh, it was the bellwether event. Uh, the Catskills, the energy is extraordinary. And through some magical circumstances that I don't even understand, I'm now based in the Catskills. So my yes. first thought was, okay, Millennia Music, the nonprofit I founded 25 years ago, whose mission mm-hmm. was to take healing music to the underserved, and bring it to the elderly and the infirm, the hospitals, hospice, cancer centers, um, 
and to uh, the homeless, uh, mm-hmm. any place that it doesn't normally get brought uh, to youth. Yes. Uh, uh, any you place mean that your, your kind of music, your kind of music. That is correct, right. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. you know, my kind of music is I grew up listening to rock and roll, being trained as a classical cello player. Uh, so yes. uh, it's all DNA. And then yes. uh, it's, it's always a question of, well, what would be appropriate for a group of veterans? Right? You'd probably want to do some kind of version of Hendrix's uh, Star Spangled Banner on the five-string electric <laughs> cello. Right? Probably, want to, probably want to have that in the kit bag. Right? You can also have whatever. You know, I don't need to be sappy, but you know, Barber's Adagio for Strings, one of the great melodies of all time, which of course was in Platoon. And you know, Mm -hmm. uh, people think, I mean, I think this, I get caught. People love great sounding music, and and film soundtracks prove that. What they don't love is when it's in in context that they can't relate to. And I remember Mm -hmm. as a kid, I'm like, why do we have to put a tuxedo on? Why are we, why is everybody so dressed up at the opera house? Why can't, like, none of that made any sense to me. (laughs) So I've been looking for ways to, yeah, to kind of open those spaces up. So now that I'm back, um, I'm back in New York City. I'm back in the region. Thank you. It's just great to be back. Uh, In fact, the the last uh, time I saw you was in the the Rockies in Boulder, Colorado. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I want to I want to offer what whatever else gorgeous and inspiring, right? and take what yes. I have gathered from coincidence and from the many travels of these special powerful places on the planet, and bring that energy into Manhattan, into homes, into the United Nations, into law firms, into homeless shelters, and part of what mm-hmm. we're doing with Millennium Music is we've launched a fund drive. To, uh, to basically build an endowment that will, will propel this work for the, uh, the next 25 years and beyond. And so we have an mm-hmm. invitational uh, fundraiser on March 12th being hosted by some, some very close friends on the Upper East Side. And then, but we have then a public uh, benefit event that's going to be occurring on the Equinox, because I always like to time things for the, uh, the nature cycles. And that yes. is going to be happening, uh, you're going to love this, at Somewhere in Time Farm. <laughs> somewhere in Time Farm. Don't there ask somewhere what in time, time Farm. <laughs> you ask. <laughs> I had to. It's sort of it's somewhere over the rainbow. And it's just yes, around exactly. the bend. Yeah, yeah in, in the burgeoning oh, metropolis of Parkville. Parkville, New York, mm. which is, mm-hmm. um, a, you know, a stone's throw from me in uh I'm in the Pine Bush Ellenville area and uh amazing energy on the land and it's being very graciously hosted by uh new friends, uh Justine Sutherland and her husband John and Justine is a mm-hmm. yoga teacher at her own uh yoga studio which is Justine's Just Breathe Yoga right there at the farm mm-hmm. and also at the at the Shivananda uh retreat. Uh, center that you and I were speaking about uh, not so long ago. That I have been teaching at I for 20 years. There, well, <laughs> right. So this is all Kismet. So you, you know, yeah. uh, you, you hopefully can join us. And anybody that's listening that happens to be, yes. you know, within a stone's throw, it would be wonderful. Yes. Because again, this is a gathering time now, right? This is uh, yes. not a time of 
of separation. Uh, what is that Lou Reed line? This is no time for learned speech. <laughs> this is the time. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. So yeah. We, for coming we together. Gotta, we got to get back to the garden. We've got to gather. Yes. Because we don't know uh-huh. what to do on our own. We just don't. Right. And it's and it's the it's the it's the supramental connecting, and it's the music's unique role uh, to touch the heart, the soul, the mind the memories, right, those feelings. There was a great clip of Paul McCartney in concert. It was was in Florida. It's a huge inner arena. And uh, he's up there. He's just rocking it out. And they show the crowd, and there's a guy who looks like he's probably about 60-ish, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. And McCartney's singing, I want to hold your hand. And you see this man in the crowd. He just, his, his hand goes over his face. He, he he just break he just breaks him with emotion because you can see mm. he's having the moment when he was just seventeen holding the hand of his girlfriend right it was like yeah. it was just oh man so oh. all of that nostalgia sure. uh, that uh, what was Terrence McKenna's line of the uh, uh, the rebirth of novelty uh, all of that <laughs> yeah uh, you know uh-huh. we need all of that stuff that makes us imaginative beings, beings of, yeah. of creative imagination above and beyond. Deeply human. Good people. Deeply human. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, so that's, Absolutely. that's on the Equinox uh, yeah. March 21st. That's beautiful. That event is publicly posted on ye old Facebook. It's uh, Tuning the Planet, Michael Fitzpatrick. Equinox that'll pop up somewhere, Eventbrite. Yeah, um, and then and the we'll have that start. on our website as well okay. as the awesome. March twelfth event. Twenty uh, first at a betterworld yeah. TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that and, is and awesome. then that'll be and the, so this is what you do. You this you go do. around the you I go, man. I go where it calls me. Well, and I if know. anyone out and is listening you, has a has an idea of a venue or a location, I'll, yes. I want to go wherever uh, it can be beneficial. So please, yes. uh, anyone can reach me at Millennia Music. Actually, I'll give my, my own email address, Tuning the Planet. Sure. You remember, Tuning the Planet at Mac. Uh, my yeah, well, give it one more time. Sure. Tuning the Planet at Mac.com. And um, excellent, yeah, actually in the New York area because I'm here, uh, but I go coast to coast, LA to Chicago. You know, still want to meet Charday one of these days. <laughs> now, in your travels, I mean, you also have, you know, as you influence many people, Michael, uh, in their lives in so many ways. Uh, raising the, I love the idea from James Joyce of uh, aesthetic mm. arrest. That when we are in the ah. presence, the the Newman, if you will, of the of uh-huh. what's beautiful <laughs> that captures us, whether it's naturally or artistically, and it's really in many ways one and the same. When we're, you know, in that moment of the numinous, mm. we stop. Everything is on hold. It's like we're suspended from time, sort of like the farm you'll be pr- you'll be uh, playing on <laughs> March 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and you therefore are affecting so many people as you have over the past many, many years of your playing. But you too have also been influenced by others, some by quantum physicists, some by friends, some by musicians. So what when you scan the field, if you will, what what uh who has it been? that you would say have been uh, particularly um, influential on you? Oh, no. <laughs> Whenever I ask him, a, ask him a question, he disappears. <laughs> no, I'm kidding you. But he did, uh, well, the phone dropped. So I'm going to assume that he will be back with us momentarily. But you're you're getting the message. I mean, you know... Michael is out there making an impact and the attitude for someone who plays it, his caliber, he is so loving and open to sharing uh, his gifts. Um, and part of his bio that I didn't get to because I told you it was long, uh, is says, from the White House to the Royal Palace in Jordan, from the United Nations to the Parliament of World Religions in Australia, from performing for Sir, for Sir George Martin of the Beatles to performance in a Tibetan temple in the remote tip of southern India, on it goes. Michael Fitzpatrick has brought his beautiful instrument and performed and shared his music with others. Michael, did you hear my question? I did, and I'm not sure if you can hear me. Apologies again. We can hear you now. Not a problem. I had asked, what, who's been influential on you as you travel back and forth <laughs> to and fro? <laughs> Sorry? Uh, can you hear me? We're having some technical issues here. Hello? Are the mountains getting in the way again? Ah. He may hear us, folks, but we do not hear him. So, these things happen. These things happen. But, as I was saying, now that he's going to be trying to uh, patch in again in a moment, uh, you have an idea of the breadth and the depth of Michael's uh, range of experience and who has invited him to perform in their castles and their palaces and their presidential suites and the like uh, because he has really been so appreciated in so many places and uh, you know, from the political to the spiritual worlds, if you will, but has a particular love of sharing with, as he was saying, uh, uh, senior citizens and the infirm and the homeless and the inner cities and people who do not get a chance to be exposed to this type of music and as those of you who listen with any regularity to a better world know that we have had a number of musicians who uh, feel that way that impulse to share with everyone especially those people who don't get the benefit of hearing uh, this type of uh, truly euphoric 
euphonious music. So um, I think it's important. I'm reminded of a couple of uh, segments that have shown up on uh, 60 Minutes that they've produced of um, one was down in Brazil where uh, local people under the tutelage of some other musicians fashioned me amazing instruments out of things like cardboard and garbage that they found in a dump and turned them into guitars and horns and and violins I, it's like this is impossible but they formed an orchestra and they started to perform and they got invited to different parts of Europe and America and they dazzled audiences because they learned some very beautiful classical music using instruments that were basically made from garbage. Oh my God, what a, what a beautiful story. And there's another segment that is occurring to me as I'm hoping Michael is able to uh, get back to us. Um, and that is of another order where with money that was granted to very uh, poor inner city and rural kids in Africa, they were taught again great classics and they were so grateful to be able to learn Western music and be given the instrument to to play that they too have toured and it's utterly transformed their lives so they have something to really look forward to as they carry on in this life. So that's the kind of work, uh, his way, that Michael Fitzpatrick, our guest today, cellist uh, par excellence, has been doing all over the world. So it does look like uh, he may have reached his other destination besides a better world, um, or next to, I should say. And so we will have him on again when he's not in transit. We were lucky to have him on today to uh, grab a little time with us, which was just precious to share with us what he's up to. But do go to www.abetterworld.tv in order to see more of uh, the concerts that are coming up, the benefit concerts, one on the Upper East Side on March 12th, and the other uh, in the Pine Bush Parkville area, as he was telling us, um, somewhere in Time Farm on March 21st, if you're anywhere, a stone's throw, as he said, uh, from the farm. So I want to just thank all of you for tuning in. Oh, it looks like he's come back, so I'm going to invite him back for some closing words. Thought I had You're back. I thought we lost you. The timing is everything. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, thanks it to everyone is. listening for your patience and tolerance. Absolutely. So, look, we'll have you back when you're not in transit, Michael Fitzpatrick. Yes, I would look forward to that. Okay, and we've put out the word, and uh, you've got your Facebook page, and, um, you know, the information will also be on our homepage at abetterworld.tv as well. So, thanks again, brother, for being on A Better World and helping to make A Better World. Always a joy. 
Thanks for doing Always what you do. Okay, Thanks man. so much. Aloha. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye. Aloha. Michael Patrick, Tuning the Planet, cellist at large. He'll be joining us again another time, but we're really glad to have him back again today. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Please remember that we, too, are a nonprofit. Your donations I'd like to think of as investments in creating a better world uh, are so appreciated. They help keep us sustained on the air and doing the work that we do here to bring you all sorts of good news and truthful news and words and interviews to help uplift and inspire. So thanks again. Contact me directly, if you would, uh, for donations or for our coaching and counseling and energy balancing services at mjr at abetterworld.net. That's mjr, my initials, at abetterworld.net. Or directly by phone, 212-420-0800, 212-420-0800. And I look forward to seeing you all next week. 